Now, fast forward, what would have been four or five years later, and I jumped out into a pure sales role for a company. It was, you know, selling IT professional services. I started to notice that if I pushed, then as I pushed, my client backed up. You know, if I sent emails to try to force the force the decision, they wouldn't get responded to or they might come back and say, I have doubt or whatever. Right. However, as so I said, there's something wrong here. I'm not approaching it right. So instead, I would get in in front of my client, ask deliberate questions about what they would like their future to look like, what their present day looks like. What is the gap between where you are today and where you want to be? And I would listen and I would in my mind then think about how I can actually help them bridge the gap. And I would I would then verbalize this is what I can do for you. And, and you know, this is what I stand for. And and then I would just let them make a decision and I would educate them on on, on a better future. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an amazing, exciting guest lined up for you today. This man and I were like two peas in a pod. We're like brothers from another mother. I'm speaking, of course, of the one, the only, the legendary Chris Spurvey. Welcome to the show, Chris. Wow. Thanks for that introduction. I'm so, so appreciative. Uh, I got to make sure my wife listens to it. She'll know who she's married to. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So Chris, you know what? You and I have just gotten to know each other a little bit and boy, do I love your uh, attitude and your mindset. The people who listen to my show, they tend to be service-based entrepreneurs. So my listener is a coach, a consultant, My listener is a practitioner of some sort of wellness art. They may even own a clinic. They may be a trainer. Uh, They may be a fitness person. They, they, They use their skills, their expertise to solve problems for their customers, okay? And the reason they listen to this show is they want to learn from you. They want to learn hacks, tips, tricks. They want to know your heart first, though. They want to know what kind of human being you are so that they can really buy into what you have to say. I know I bought into you, but we got to make sure our listener buys into you. So tell us your story, man. How'd you get to be the great Chris Spurvey? (laughs) Oh, I'm so appreciative of being called great. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, I guess up until a certain age, I felt like I was following others down paths and not being over, overly deliberate around the path I, I wanted to take. And, and that kind of led me to a number of career decisions, a number of life decisions. Let me first of all say that I'm married to my childhood sweetheart. We've been together wow. since we were 13 years old. Good for you. Um, my- yeah, my son, uh, Parker, is uh, 18. My daughter, Anna Lily, is 16. We live in Newfoundland on the east coast of Canada. We love living here, but uh, the weather 
does drive us into other places because uh, the, the weather here is can be damp and cold at times. So we do a lot of traveling and stuff. So I suppose the fact that I am uh, potentially considered a thought leader, I, I've never thought of myself that way, but maybe the fact that I am allows me the freedom and flexibility to kind of build a business from wherever I am. So I do a bit of traveling. So, But maybe I, I can bring you back to 2007. I was working for an insurance company sitting behind a desk all day in the area of marketing and a little bit of e-business. And I just said, you know what, this is not uh, overly fun. I, I, I'd done a, a, some, some exploration around my strengths. And I actually read a book, Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And Love somewhere that in book. that Love yeah, that. somewhere in that, I I, I re- decided maybe the thing to try would be sales, right? And so I left that job uh, with a defined benefit pension plan, and I joined a small little uh, IT consulting company and dove in headfirst into the sales role for that company. Fell down, picked myself back up, tried to figure it out, and and I I ultimately realized that I wasn't being genuine in my approach to sales because I was reading all the books on sales that said you had to do it a certain way. And, you know, the Grant Cardone type of approach to 10x your life by being uh, over the top and so on. Not to say I have anything against Grant Cardone, like that just one comes to mind. Sure. But uh, anyway, I, I, I learned to sell in a way that was more genuine and authentic for me and uh, felt right for me and learned that that resonated with my clients a whole lot more. And so we ended up growing that company uh, to a pretty sizable company for Newfoundland, 70 employees, and uh, we sold it in 2013 to KPMG. And so I then spent the next four years as vice president of sales for KPMG. And that's kind of where, uh, you know, the, the root of what I'm doing today started to take hold. I began mentoring and coaching people in the area of sales uh, and helping them do what I do did, which was find a way to sell that felt better for them, and uh, results started to flow. So, anyway, maybe I'll kind of stop there. In, in basically, in 2017, I I quit that job. I have a I have a history of quitting jobs that are kind of secure and safe, and I jumped out uh, on my own. And and today I've been coaching, consulting companies. And I will say most of them are in the service-based areas, but really with a focus on how do we grow our revenues and be consistent and deliberate in our efforts in the areas of sales and revenue growth. So uh, there you go. That's Chris Spurvey today. Chris, there's a lot of gold in what you just said. So I want to <laughs> unpack it because your story is, 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 is one that I resemble. Mm. You know, I was in sales. I was in IT and high tech. Who would have thunk? You know, I worked for a company called Unitel AT&T. Then I worked for a company called Clarinet, which later was bought by Telus. Yes. And I then worked for another company called Accent. They were a CLEC. Then I started to work for a internet company. I worked then for um, an IT security firm. And I didn't start off in sales, but I ended up in sales. And it didn't feel authentic to me either. It felt like this was the wrong thing for me to be doing. Well, first of all, it's one of the reasons I wrote my book, The Thought Leader's Journey, is is because uh, being someone's employee was not for me. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. In fact, for many people, it's the right way to go forward. But for me, it just, it was crushing my spirit, crushing my soul. And I was selling in a way that was inauthentic. Mm. And 
you know, as I started to go down the journey of entrepreneurship, I started to realize I, I got I to gotta sell from my heart, my soul. I got I to gotta sell as an act of love, as an act of service to mm. the person I'm selling to. And one of my mentors who I interviewed on this podcast, I highly recommend you check out his episode when you have a moment, Mark Von Muser. In fact, I'll send it to you. Um, Listen. He's all about that. He used to be the key guy for coaching and training for the number one transformational leader on the planet. Still not allowed to say who he is, but he's very tall and his initials are TR, right? Mm. And so Mark helped this guy add over $150 million to his business. And the way he did it was by selling authentically and from the heart. Wow. $150 million in a five-year period. That's not bad. Um, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, to hear your story, I didn't realize we were, we, you, I think you called us kindred spirits before we started the record. Uh, brothers uh, from another can... mother. <laughs> brothers <laughs> from other mothers, I should say. That's right. <laughs> I'm more convinced. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's it. So I really believe in what you're saying. So let's go deeper into it into this whole concept of authentic selling. And you have a new book out as well. So let's weave in some of the lessons from your book to people. So when you made this realization, when you had that aha moment, what did you do specifically? How did you start to implement this into your day-to-day life? And how have you been doing it with your clients since you've become basically a thought leader in the area of authentic heart-based selling? Yeah, that's a really good question. And just to clarify, the book came after we sold our company. So I wrote my book and published my book in early 2016 after a couple of years of working with KPMG and realizing, and Daniel Pink uses the words non-sales sellers. You know, I realized my message was resonating with non-sales sellers, people who don't identify with the word sales, but they they have to sell. And I and I am a believer that everybody is in sales. Uh, and so that's a couple of the messages that certainly resonated with me and, and made me draw, I felt, uh, you know, I really followed my heart and drove forward to begin sharing that message and so on. But when I reflect on the question of where, you know, what, like, so I had joined this company I had previously been exposed to sales at a point in life. I was working at the insurance company. I had a friend call me up and he asked me, it's funny, telecommunications. He asked me to try his long distance service. And it was a company out of the uh, United States, uh, Excel Communications, that was expanding. And they were expanding. Sure, I know who those guys are. Yeah. Well, I... I became a representative for Excel while still working my corporate job at at the insurance company. And I built this business on the side and it was a network marketing business. It was uh, done through, you know, recruiting representatives, every one of the representatives having a handful of customers and so on. And I guess what I'll say is I was a little bit of ignorance on fire. I didn't I didn't allow beliefs about sales, beliefs about the model of network marketing. I didn't allow any of that to kind of stand in my way. I just went out and shared what I believed in, 
right? And lo and behold, my energy, my enthusiasm for what I was doing caught fire in other people. And people started to envision within them maybe a better life, you know, a more abundant life financially and so on. And so that kind of caught root. Now, that company itself in 2004 went bankrupt. Uh, I never bothered with any network marketing after that. However, I learned a ton from that experience, right? Just observing the reactions of people as I shared my enthusiasm, my belief, my vision for everything, right? And, and so perhaps when I think about your question, that's where the foundation was laid. Now, fast forward, what would have been four or five years later, and I jumped out into a pure sales role for a company. It was, you know, selling IT professional services. I started to notice that if I pushed, then as I pushed, my client backed up. You know, if I sent emails to try to force the force the decision, they wouldn't get responded to or they might come back and say, I have doubt or whatever. Right. However, as so I said, there's something wrong here. I'm not approaching it right. So instead, I would get in in front of my client, ask deliberate questions about what they would like their future to look like, what their present day looks like. What is the gap between where you are today and where you want to be? And I would listen and I would in my mind then think about how I can actually help them bridge the gap. And I would I would then verbalize this is what I can do for you. And, and you know, this is what I stand for. And and then I would just let them make a decision and I would educate them on on, on a better future. Does that make sense? And so. And so as I was doing that more, I started to see results. And so I just did a little bit more of that. And I, so I guess the idea of pivoting around what works and then abandoning what doesn't work is certainly a philosophy that I've, I've used. That probably summarizes some of that early learnings that I had when I jumped out into sales. It was, and so I I used the word push earlier Mm -hmm. and people would back up. Uh, what I learned is that if you can find ways uh, to be of service and do it in a way that that you are, you, you know, you have the best interests of your clients at heart, they actually begin to come towards you. And so from there, I just really it took off. Right. So I don't know. Hopefully that answers your question. It was a bit of a few little stories mixed in there. But uh, uh, that kind of is, is how I reflect on it. My friend, there's a lot that you gave us that's gold in this answer as well. So I know all about Excel. I have been a representative of an organization called ACN. Now, I'm not active with ACN, but I recruited a guy who's become the biggest guy in Canada uh, outside of Quebec. The biggest guy in Canada, including Quebec, is a fellow who used to be with Excel. His name is Simon Aboud. Oh you know, my God, yes, Simon. I, Simon I is a personal friend of mine. When I was yeah. uh, one of the top fitness trainers in Canada, I, I've, I trained him for about a year and a half. I remember going to the Canadian National Conference and sure. Simon was one of the guys up on the stage pumping his chest and doing his thing. And, yeah, and Brilliant uh, guy. I love that guy. Yeah. Man. He's awesome. He's, so he's awesome. amazing, man. Holy smokes. Oh my God. I, I was wondering where he, where he landed. Oh, he's oh. he's incredible. Um, yeah. He just got married, uh, actually, which is pretty cool as well. Wow. Um, no yeah. longer a swinging single guy. 
So, but, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but uh, when Excel went bankrupt in 04, everyone who was in the business, not everyone, some people just decided to abandon uh, the concept altogether, but two companies, ACN and another company, it was a health and nutrition company or is a health and nutrition company out of uh, California, Shackley. Both of those companies did a heavy recruiting uh, uh, on both. The top on leaders, the, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah leaders. I, I know. And they got Simon. Simon came to ACN. Yeah. So <laughs> I went down to California. And I, I joined Shackley for a very short period of time, but you know that's when I said to myself, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna hone in on my skills uh, in sales and so on by working with an organization and growing a growing a business independent of of a network marketing type of organization. And again, I really preface I have I have nothing but the highest degree of respect for network marketing. It's oh, phenomenal. Hundred percent. Great training um, ground. Exactly. Um, and later today, I'm going to be interviewing a man by the name of George Zalicki. Who okay. George was the number one person in three separate network marketing organizations. Wow! And um, he was, and one of them was ACN. That's how I got to know him. And he's also a powerful motivational speaker. Great guy, great story. So when that interview comes out, you definitely want to check out George's interview with us. It's amazing. Network marketing is such a fantastic industry because network marketing is a place where they encourage you to dream. They encourage you to be better than you are. They encourage you to work on yourself and go to the next level. And there's a lot of other businesses, traditional businesses, that they don't do that. They frankly don't want you to dream. They don't want you to get better. They don't want you to move further forward. It's not that they want you to stay behind, but there's a lot of fear involved in those organizations. And in network marketing, there's a lot of excitement, dare I say it, even love involved. And absolutely. that's one of the things I absolutely love and adore about network marketing. Oh my God. So you have a background as a network marketer. You get into regular sales. You start to understand that pushing doesn't work. And you come from understanding what the client wants, understanding what their hopes aspirations and fears are. And then you're finding that clients are coming to you. So you grow a, a major consulting company and mm -hmm. then that business gets sold and then you're off on your own. And you're teaching these principles now to your existing clients mm -hmm. and your existing clients. Tell me a little bit about how you decided who your existing clients are and, 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 and how you decided to work with them. Yeah, yeah. And, and in your summary there, you're 95% accurate. The only thing I'll add, just to make sure for clarity, I spent four years with uh, KPMG. And in that in that organization, uh, hey, funny enough, to some degree, it resembles network marketing, where you have multiple layers of, of people. Uh, you know, you have partners who are working with directors, and you have directors working with managers, and managers working with consultants. And in that business, the people who get promoted to partner they have their own books of business. They yes. have their own relationships out in the market and business kind of happens for them, the really powerful, good ones. And so in that role of vice president of sales for KPMG, I applied a lot of my learnings from network marketing, whereby I helped the consultants and managers grow their own books of business through growing their networks and growing their value in the market. And that's when I realized, you know what, there's something here. Like there's tons of small and medium businesses out there that, you know, the founders came up with an idea. They got some initial traction, but here they are now. They're trying to figure out how to grow it, and, and they're not salespeople. So how no. do you grow it if you're not a salesperson in the traditional sense, in their minds? That's what they're thinking. Yes. Uh, so – so that in right there, what I said is how I identified my ideal client. It's a, it's a services-based company. So when I reflect across my group of consulting companies, I have a disability management consulting 
company with uh, 30 employees. They're all really good at what they do, but they struggle to grow the business and, and sell the business. I've got an engineering consulting company, right, uh, who have similar are similar. I have a, a an organization of clinicians, uh, a company called HealthQuest, that are all really good podiatrists and podiatrists who are helping their clients, serving their clients, uh, but they just need a bit of a framework, right? So that's, I saw that opening and, and, and I'm actually just as I'll, I'll mention to you, the aha moment for me, it may have happened over time. However, I was the chair of uh, the Technology Association here in Newfoundland where I live, a, a group of about 300 companies are, are members, and I was asked to speak at the annual conference. And some, for some reason, my intuition, I must have been doing research at the time, I asked the audience what were the words that came to mind when they thought about the word sales and the words I got back were manipulative, slimy, sleazy, objection fighting, and so on. Oh, uh, and 100%. that's when I, that's when I realized we have a huge problem right here. The and all these owners of businesses who are looking at sales negatively. And so that's when I went on a bit of a mission to try to change the image of sales. So hopefully that answers a bit of your question. Yeah, that's powerful. That's very powerful. So your clients are people who are good at what they do, but they're not good at sales. That, yes, that's, you that's the bottom line. Yeah. Oddly enough, our clients are very much similar in that respect. Absolutely. They, they tend to be they tend to be more um, solopreneurs and solo practitioners. We we don't mm -hmm. deal with a lot of organizations. Although I suppose this right. thought leadership could be taught to organizations. It's just not been a focus for us. Yeah, no, but, I, I recognize that, and I don't do the solo. Uh, I, I mean, I I have some people in Newfoundland who I meet for coffees, and I I help them. But uh, most of my all my clients are organizations. Yeah. 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 So. What I'm seeing is there's a lot of good people out there who just don't want to be associated with that slimy sales guy, slimy sales girl tag, mm. and they want they but they want clients. So what we do for them is we show them how to stand out, how to be sought after. That's our new tagline. Um, mm. Be sought after. I mean, if you if you go to our website right now, right, ecircleacademy.com, it's right there. It says. E-Circle Academy, be sought after. And people want to be sought after. And people need to learn how to sell from a space of love, a space of deep caring. You know, if if they don't learn how to do that, if they don't learn how to come from their heart and, you know, the, the good old-fashioned sales skills required to make that happen, they're never going to grow their business. So I think what you're doing is God's work, my friend. <laughs> You're, think yeah. about it for a second. These yeah. are good people. They have a purpose in life and they're being thwarted from achieving their purpose. You know, God intends all of us to achieve our purpose. What Absolutely. you're doing, his work is to help people achieve their purpose. So by you working with these, you know, 30, 40 person organizations and helping them understand how to sell where it doesn't come across as slimy, where it doesn't come across as dirty and manipulative, you're doing God's work. Absolutely. Yeah, no, you, you're nailing it. Absolutely nailing it. And if I reflect on the results, well, and the results from my perspective, yeah, they're numbers, but 
the feeling, the energy in, in being, within the walls of the organizations that I'm working with, uh, you know, and I'm listening to you reflecting on one of the organizations I, ha- I met with yesterday. And uh, it's a group of uh, 17 consultants, uh, and these are project managers, uh, owner, owner advisors in construction projects. So car dealerships are doing a, a refit on their building. And these folks I work with, they go in and they represent the owner solely as it pertains to the construction project and the best interests of the owner. And I've only been working with them now three months. And I go in there uh, and the, the feeling I get there, they're all alive and they're, they're, they want to go out and they want to do good quality work, but they also are looking out for opportunities. And so everybody now in the organization is looking for opportunities and they have the tools and the tactics to be able to actually follow through on that, right? So uh, having a good quality diagnostic conversation conversation, you know, those types of things. So they have, they have the tools and with the tools, they now have the confidence. And so we have this now thriving organization of 17 or 18 uh, project managers who are all engaged, confident to go out there and talk to potential customers, knowing that they're solving, they're actually going to help their client or potential client sleep better tonight knowing that their capital project, uh, this building refit or is going to be done a whole lot better, right? They have clients now who, you know, they're about to get involved in a, in a building of a building. And if it was done without them, they have, they have the potential of going bankrupt because they're putting so much money on the line in the building of the building. But now they know by hiring this company, Vigilant Management is the name of the company, their project's going to come in on time and on budget and, and worry-free because Vigilant is there, right? So anyway, I, I'm just, I'm with you. I'm very passionate about what we, what you and I are up to. hundred percent. I love it. So let me give you the distinction between an expert and a thought leader, because inside of our message, there's more to it than sales. Sales is important. We call thought leadership about think, sell, and deliver. So all three of those are equally important, right? Absolutely. You can't be a thought leader if you don't have original thoughts. You just can't. You, you, you learn from other thought leaders. You stand on the shoulders of giants, but you have to do your own thinking. And that's a big part of our process. So the difference between an expert and a thought leader, an expert is someone who knows something, but a thought leader is someone who's known for knowing something. Mm. So that's the difference. So you are, that way you become sought after. In a sense, selling becomes simpler because people know that you are the go-to person. Absolutely. Right. And that's, that's what our job is. In a sense, it's to almost over time make selling unnecessary. Right. Not completely unnecessary because you still are always selling. As you said, we're all in sales, but you don't need to go out there and hustle to generate because people go, oh, it's Chris Spurvey. He's yeah. the guy. It's Chris. Yeah. You, we call, call Chris Spurvey. You got more people think open to your message, more people hearing about you than ever before. And the pillars of thought leadership are as follows. First of all, you need to have your own world-class intellectual property. And we have a process where we teach people how to do this, right? We, we learn this from our friends in Australia, Matt Church and Peter Cook of Thought Leaders Business School. And basically, first thing we do is we help you come up with what, what we call the movie title of your life. If your life was a movie, what would the title be? And then we have you create a timeline of significant events in your life. And then we help you go through and pick out themes from those events and take those themes and turn them into the things that have 
created your expertise. And a lot of people go, oh, well, I'm in sales. I'm a doctor. I'm, my expertise is sales or, or my expertise is being a doctor. That's not really true. You need to go with a level deeper, right? And people, people will buy that level deeper. They won't buy the surface level because there's a million doctors, there's a million salespeople, right? So that's first. Secondly, we got to help you come up with a way to, to, to sell. I mean, you get this. This is what you do. But there, we've got a five-step process and a seven-step process around that. Then thirdly, we talk about how to position you so you're the go-to person. Mm. And, and then after that, we connect the head and the heart. So we talk about heart leadership. Heart leadership is being known for leading from the heart. So that's very, very important as well. So thought leadership is something that you practice because you're now known as the go-to guy when it comes to selling, when it comes to teaching good people who are non-sales sellers, right? That's yes. how you put it from Daniel Pink. You and guys. you're the guy who makes that happen. So I love it. So our listeners listening to this and they're going, okay, Chris Burvey's the real deal, right? So Chris Burvey's the real deal. So Chris Burvey's written a book. So tell talk about your book for a bit and how can people get your book? Yeah, well, you know, uh, it's funny because I'm listening to you and I'm thinking to myself, so in 2016, I authored my book. I hired a coach and that coach helped me write a book. I never thought I would could ever write. Uh, I remember going to university and, and being told by my prof and my English prof that I, I would never be a writer effectively. He, he said it through his body language and he's, he's looking at me. He never actually verbalized it, but I knew I wasn't a good writer. But so I hired a coach who helped me. Uh, I published my book. Uh, when I realized, when I came close to publishing it, I realized outside of mom and dad, I had no one to buy it. So, so I had, uh, I published a few articles on LinkedIn and began a blog. And then I began my podcast, of which you're going to be a guest on uh, next week. And all of that began to bubble up. And in, in Newfoundland, I began getting inquiries. I was working at KPMG and all of a sudden I became known as the sales guy, right? Or the go-to person around sales thought leadership and so on. And and um, anyway, when I left KPMG in 17, 2017 and began talking to CEOs and business owners, it was like I was on second base. I kept going. I was I used to be going into them. And I so I had I bypassed first base altogether. So I think I'm a great example of what you've referred to. Uh, and when I reflect back. I wish I had I had the methodology that you uh, you you've obviously clearly laid out because I kind of stumbled upon it by accident and threw a lot of mud at the wall to see what sticks. So I'm very interested and and encouraged to know people listening can take advantage of everything that you are doing through your company. Uh, it's outstanding. And so you asked me about the book. It's called It's Time to Sell cultivating the sales mindset. And it's really, a, it's a narrative. So it's a very easy, quick read, you know, and you can be sat down and three hours you've read it. I decided to go the narrative route because back in my network marketing days, I read a book called The Greatest Networker in the World by John Milton Fogg. And in that book, it's a narrative and it changes the image on the screen of your mind of what networking is and how to grow a business through networking. So I said, you know what, if I ever make it, somewhere. I'm going to uh, write a book and it's going to be a narrative. So it's an easy read is my point. And I certainly welcome anybody listening to uh, visit my website, chrisspervy.com and download a free copy of the book if you want it electronically, or you can go on Amazon or chapters or whatever in Canada. So uh, Nikki, I hope that, uh, hope that does uh, the book justice for you. 
Man, that sounds like a fantastic book. You know what? I, uh, I'll definitely download a copy and uh, I'm going to give it a read. And uh, we give away a lot of books to our clients. So let me give it a read. And, and once I've done that, let's, uh, let's probably go on online and purchase a few copies and give it to our people. Because this, this is important. I, I believe in your message. I believe in what you're doing. I like that you're helping people. And I think it's important that you get to help lots of people. So typically, do you work with clients on a consultative engagement basis? Is it kind of like one-on-one type of stuff? Yeah. So when I look at crossplay engagements, there's a diversity of, you know, in terms of scope and how it's done. But most of but most of my clients, I'm on a retainer with the organization. I'm considered their growth strategist, right? And And I... I really want to preface and make sure people listening, it's it's organizations of non-sales sellers. That's where my specialty is because that's what I, I did successfully with multiple organizations. And so that's what I really focus on. And, you know, it's sitting with the, I mainly work with the owner of the business to define where they want to take the business. And then we mobilize sales efforts amongst everybody in the organization and uh, training and, and so on. Yeah, so that's that's my approach to to this business. And it's been quite successful, I must say. Awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. One of the things that we have helped thought leaders like yourself do, which I think is fantastic and important, and this is something we learned from Matt Church from Thought Leaders Global, is to take your thought leadership and the way you currently deliver that service and look to see, can we find ways to help you deliver that, which will allow you to expand your reach, reach more people, and make a lot more money. Mm. So, for example, someone like yourself, and we've done this with a couple of folks, this is why I asked you the question, who has had such a great experience in working with folks in these high-level engagements, we look to them and say, look, what if we also had you create a um, a one-to-many situation where you had a a group training program, a group coaching program, a group peer group for these folks, and had you be able to charge, I don't know, 2x to 10x what you're charging yeah. for the 1x coaching, that exactly. one-on-one coaching that you're doing right now. So you can do both. That's the whole point of thought leadership. Leverage is really, really important. So a lot of people go, okay, I am a consultant. I am a coach. And I, I find that's good, but it's also limiting. Right? It is. You're limited it's by very time. limiting because you're limited by time and you're also in a box. Oh, that's that guy's a consultant, right? Mm-hmm. Why, if you're a thought leader, how you deliver doesn't matter. And you can come forward and say, look, I am a thought leader in helping non-sales sellers sell. Oh, you are? Yeah. Okay. So you do consulting. Yeah. I also have a program that you can be a part of with a dozen other non-sales seller CEOs and company owners. And this is going to help you, blah, 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 right? And they'll go, oh, I love that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come work with our folks, but let me join this program too. So let's say you're making a quarter million dollars from your regular consulting, right? I made that number up. But let's say this allowed you to make another quarter million dollars. And it takes you 15 days a year. Mm. Not bad, right? That, Absolutely. That, that's the Sounds sort pretty of, appealing to me. <laughs> well, listen, you know, which is one of the reasons you and I are on the phone together, right? 
yeah. uh, or actually on Skype, uh, to be perfectly yes. honest. But that, that's why we're speaking today. We're having an interview. We want people that listen to me to learn from you. We want to give you some ideas on, hey, man, this is pretty cool. I'd love to be able to explore how to do this for me. I like to double my income and do fun stuff in exotic locations. Like you said, Newfoundland can be cold and damp. Sometimes <laughs> you should be holding your retreats in places like Florida or the Cayman Islands, you know? Exactly. <laughs> right? And yeah. what a cool idea. I'm sure your wife uh, would, would love going on vacation with you for uh, on the company's dime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So th- those are the sorts of things that are important. And those are the sorts of things that help thought leaders kind of go to the next level, right? We have this, the, uh, this ladder model that uh, Matt Church taught us where it's based on martial arts base, uh, belt levels. So from white belt to black belt and then first, second, down and beyond, every $10,000 a month in income is a belt level. Right? Okay. So we say if you're below ten thousand a month, you you have no belt. You're a clear belt, right? <laughs> but if you're ten thousand a month, you want to get to twenty, which is yellow belt, and then thirty, which is green belt, right? So the first three levels, from white belt all the way to green belt, they're cool, but they're all about still trading time for money. You're going to be working harder to make more money from like zero to 30K a month, roughly 360,000 a year. But above that, when you're getting to blue belt, which is 480 and red belt, which is 600 and black belt, which is 720 and then second down black belt, 840, et cetera, et cetera. You're actually working less. You're actually there as the go-to thought leader. People, people are seeking you out. So you're able to design and deliver your expertise in a way that's not all about your time. In a right. way that's all about the genius of what you offer. And boy, I've seen folks bust their butt to get to 30K a month, but then at 70K a month, they're like cruising. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And to me, for a thought leader, right, the stages of going to like the highest levels of thought leadership are about making that possible. So you get to do what you want, you get to do it when you want with people you like, and you you get to work as much or as little as you, as you want to work. Exactly. How yeah. does that sound? It sounds phenomenal to me. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. I love it. Yeah. So, Chris, we like to end off our interviews with experts like yourself by asking you, our guest expert, what are your top three expert action steps that you recommend our listener utilize to take their business and their life to the next level? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, and you, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it in advance of us hitting record because I've, I've been reflecting a little bit as I've been uh, talking. So number one, that comes to mind is that uh, it's a philosophy that I have is uh, all biz- all revenue in all businesses grows through relationships. And I have a saying to, uh, that I try to instill upon everyone I meet that at any given point in time, we are one conversation away from a breakthrough. So what does that mean? Well, from my perspective, it means we should be consistently growing our networks deliberately, bringing value, trying to find ways to level up our networks and so on. So that's number one. Number two, that, that comes to mind for me is the fact that we want to be very consistent. And as 
the problem with business development and sales is that when we get into our day job and we jump in and we and in our, into our week, we have a tendency to have that business development fall off the side of the desk and we don't follow through because fires come up and so on. So I'm a big proponent of scheduling Monday morning from 8.30 to 9.30 or maybe it's 8.10 to 8.50, whatever it needs to be, business development time. And in that time, reach out and set up your business development activities for the for the upcoming week. I'm not talking about the current week on Monday morning. I'm talking about the upcoming week. And if you do that consistently every Monday morning, your week will have business development activities uh, and meetings and coffees and so on, uh, conversations over Zoom, Skype, whatever it needs to be, will be built in. And if you want four meetings a week, make sure you book five or six because there's going to be a couple that are going to fall off. And, you know, I guess from there, really, the third one is is find yourself a pitta a P-I-T-A, a pain in the ass, uh, something that's <laughs> going to help you be accountable. And that if that's a coach, maybe that's what you need. It might be a buddy system or whatever. So find yourself a pain in the rear end uh, that's going to hold you accountable the following through. And, and I believe with the implementation of those three things, you can be darn sure that within six to eight months or even less, sales and revenue generation will be less of a concern. And I think then if you overlay the stuff that you've been talking about, Nikki, thought leadership, having clients over time come to you versus you having to be always going out and selling, then I think you got a phenomenal winning formula there. That is so true. Those are three of the best expert action steps any guest has ever shared. I, I learned a lot from those. Frankly, I, I like the idea of booking sales calls for the upcoming week. I'm going to take that on. I'd never, I'd never heard of that or thought about that before. Yeah. And uh, I, I, like, I like everything you said over there, my friend. That's awesome. Thank you so much for uh, revealing that with us. So, listener. You're listening to Chris Burvey and you're thinking, wow, this guy really is the real deal. I love his really cool Newfoundlander accent, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So how do I, as a prospective thought leader, become like Chris Burvey? And the answer is really simple. First of all, read his book. I mean, he's, he's, he's giving it to you for free as a download. We're going to make sure we put that in the show notes, Chris, so people can access that. And secondly, what you need to do is you need to jump on a call with me. You need to watch my webinar masterclass, which is all about helping you understand what it's going to take to become, you know, mid six to seven figure a year thought leader. And the way to get on that webinar is I've got this site called Nikki, N-I-C-K-Y 360, 360.com. As soon as you log on to that site, the webinar is going to be a pop-up. You can sign up for it. It's an evergreen webinar, and you can learn these principles. It's absolutely free. And you can jump on a call with me by going on my website, eastcircleacademy.com, and there are two buttons, one in the middle of the page, one on the top right-hand corner, where you can get onto my calendar, and we can have an honest conversation about what you're looking to do, what your vision is, where you want to get to, what are some of the things that are getting in your way, what are some of your, your anxieties and fears, and we can talk about how to overcome those. And if you are on that call, I can promise you this, like Chris, I'm not into the hard sell push. If it makes sense for us to work together, we're both going to know and we'll talk about it. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't and we're both going to know. And I'm going to say, hey, it was great to be on the phone with you. I recommend you do X, Y, and Z in order to take you to the next level. And that's that. That's how you do it. 
Chris Spurvey, man, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you for your offer of the free download of your book. That is so generous. And uh, I'm looking forward to being on your show, and I'm, I'm looking forward to finding other ways for the two of us to collaborate, my friend. Yeah, I think there's going to be opportunities that are going to be very evident. Uh, so, yeah, I look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks, and uh, let's go from here. Thank you very much for allowing me to be on your show, and it's been a phenomenal experience. You're a great interviewer. Thank you, my friend. You're, you're easy to interview. You really are. You make it easy. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only Chris Spurvey, go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com. Make sure you download his book. That is such a generous offer. And in order for you to find out more about how you can take the steps to become a thought leader, go to Nikki360.com, watch the webinar masterclass, and jump on a call with me, go to eCircleAcademy.com and click on the button in the middle of the page or on the top right-hand corner, and let's make that happen. Until next time, goodbye.